Amen and amen. Good morning, church. Good morning. Good to see all of you guys here. Welcome to church. My name is Josh. I'm the preaching pastor and the lead pastor here. If you're with us for the first time, welcome. We're excited to have you guys with us. And uh, if you're here and you're a member, regular tender, welcome to post-Easter Sunday. Amen. You made it. You made it. Good job. Uh, Matthew 28 in your Bibles is where we're going to be this morning. Matthew 28. And we are kicking off a new sermon series. It's going to be a five-week series called The Birth of the Church. And so uh, we're very excited about this series. It's going to be very exciting to go from now for the next five weeks through Matthew 28 and then also um, Acts chapter 1 and Acts chapter 2 and just talking about the birth of this thing that is called the church and uh, the glory of it, and the beauty of it, and the majesty of it. So Matthew chapter 28, and we're going to start reading in verse 16. Matthew 28, and we're going to read God's word together, 16 through 20 of Matthew chapter 28. So read along with me here. Now the, the 11 disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain, to which Jesus had directed them. And when they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you, and behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Praise God for the reading and the hearing of his word. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for the awesome privilege that it is to get together. God, we understand that this is a privileged moment. This is a special moment for Christians to get together and hear your word and hear your word about the mission of the church. And then hopefully, God, by God, your grace and power, we will go out on mission seeking to share Jesus and bring the kingdom of God to those who are in darkness or to those who are walking in ignorance. So God, may you just empower every Christian to feel so encouraged and challenged by your commandments, Jesus, by your commission. And Lord, I pray that you administer to every Christian to feel the beauty and the power of the, of the love that you have for us. And also for the, the, the beautiful focus that you have for us. And Lord, I pray for those who don't know Jesus yet. I pray that you would encourage them and strengthen them to hear the gospel for the first time and believe in Jesus in their heart and mind. God, will you just invite people to be saved this morning? Lord, we're trusting you for these things. We are insufficient in and of ourselves. And so, Lord, we are asking for powerful help as we dig into your truth. In Jesus' name, amen. So like I said, uh, we're on a new series, five weeks, Birth of the Church. My sermon title this morning is Born to Make Disciples. So Jesus is resurrected from the dead. Yay, right? Yay. Exciting, wonderful. Uh, the pomp and the pageantry of last week was amazing. The genuine excitement that Jesus has risen from the dead from many of you brought energy to my soul and to other people's souls. The only thing we were missing last week was confetti. Can I get an amen? So I, think, I mean, the, the ceilings are too low. It wouldn't have had the cool effect, you know, swirling around because it's only like eight feet up here, you know? So we, we were missing confetti, but everything else was amazing. But some of you, I know this for sure, 
some of you are wondering, okay, now what? Now what? Jesus is resurrected from the dead. We have this big celebration. We're all excited. Now what? Some of you have reached out to me even this week and said, I don't, I don't know what I'm supposed to do. What's my purpose? You know, what am I, what's my mission? What's my goal? What's my aim? That is really where we're picking up the text in Matthew 28. Jesus is resurrected from the dead. He's standing in front of his disciples. This is an amazing moment. They're in Galilee. He's about ready to ascend into heaven, which we will look at more next week. And, and the disciples are wondering, what is next? What in the world is the next thing? And if you could put yourself in the disciples' shoes for a moment, you would be freaked out. Can I get an amen? You'd be so scared, freaked out. You're looking at the resurrected Jesus, and not only is that spooky, and it's causing you to process a lot of things, but he's also telling you something. He's giving you a mission. He's giving you your purpose, and that's a big deal, right? Um, a lot of people are looking for purpose these days, a lot. Some of you remember the book in the late 90s by Rick Warren called The Purpose Driven Life. That was an all-time bestseller in this country that's now if you want to feel old, that's 25 years ago to 30 years ago that that book came out. And a whole generation of people jumped on that book and said, I need to know my purpose. There's a whole new generation of younger people that are searching for purpose and mission in this life. They're looking around on social media. They're trying to find it on their Instagram account. They're trying to find it in their social handles. They're trying to find it in their uh, up and down and all around society that we live in right now where definitions change daily and people are just lost. Like, what am I supposed to do? Go to college? Maybe. What's the purpose? What's the mission of my life? Watch Netflix? <laughs> Maybe. I mean, like some people are thinking like, this is not a bad option. I'll sit and take mom and dad's Netflix account and I'll watch this all day. What about playing video games? Maybe that's my Next best thing, there are professional video game players now. They get paid thousands of dollars and they fill arenas to watch people play them, watch them play video games. It's amazing. I can't believe it. What about, what about drugs and drunkenness? Maybe I can just do that. Maybe that's my purpose. Some people are thinking through that. Um, some people are thinking, maybe I just need to get as much money as I can. You know, maybe I just need to grab as many millions of dollars as I can or hundreds of thousands or thousands of dollars and that's the way I'm supposed to live my life. And I guess I just hand it off to the next generation when I die, and that's my job. What about maybe going on vacations? Maybe that's the deal. Maybe the purpose is, if you know John Piper's famous one-day sermon from 2000, that's also 23 years ago that Piper preached that sermon, maybe your, your goal is to retire and collect seashells, right, on a beach. Um, based on our text this morning, Jesus is giving us what's called the Great Commission, it's called the Great Commission. Based on this text, Jesus is saying, none of those things are your mission. Your mission is to make disciples of all nations. Christian, there should be not one boring believer among you. This is the most exciting job. This is the most exciting mission you have ever heard of. It's so big that you could never complete it in your lifetime without God's help. And it is so overwhelming that, that the greatness of it, the glory of this mission is beyond any job you have ever had in your life. And Jesus gives it to you. 
The resurrected Jesus gives you purpose and a mission, and that's to make disciples. Now, Jesus wants you to fall in love with the institution called the church, the people called the church, the family called the church, because the church is Jesus' preferred vehicle by which he's going to get this mission done. He's going to make disciples of all nations through what? The Catholic Church, the the Reformed Church, the non-denominational church, the Baptist Church, the Presbyterian Church. Uh, Yes and no, right? He's going to get it done through the church that is people. Amen? Believers, as in you and me. So if you look around at what the mission of Christ is, you got to look around at each other on the rows that we all are sitting on and say, well, I guess we are Jesus' number one and only option to get this massive mission done. So I guess it's up to you and me, humanly speaking. And praise God, Jesus is going to say, well, not just you and me, right? Not just us. I'm with you always, even to the end of the age, right? Praise God. Jesus is by our side. I'm going to get to that in my last point. So look, the missions that you've been on, right? There's a lot of them that you've done. And I just want to tell you, Jesus wants you to fall in love with the church because the church is the vehicle. Now, can I say about the church right away, there is no perfect church. Can I get a witness? Hands raised, up in the air. Let's let's do a tap dance because we got to talk about the obvious thing. Like nobody's perfect here. The pastors aren't perfect, the members aren't perfect, the deacons aren't perfect, the small group leaders aren't perfect, the Christians aren't perfect out there. And you're going to hear it a lot. If you share Jesus at all with people, they're going to say to you, well, I can't go to your church. A bunch of hypocrites go to that church, right? And the response is, yes and amen. Would you like to join us as a fellow hypocrite? Like, don't lean away from that. Lean into that. that. That is the absolute truth. Like, we're a bunch of hypocrites. We don't live out this mission perfectly all the time, but this is the reality. The church is not perfect, but she's Jesus's bride. Amen? So we love the church, not because it's perfect, but because it's the bride of Christ. If you are hurt, let's say church wound, you got some church wounds and you got some things about church that you're, you, get, you're, you have struggles with, and you say, hey... I don't like the church because the church hurt me. The church did X, Y, Z, right? Now, if you've got a church wound like that, I want to just lift your eyes up a little bit, okay? Like some of you are looking so horizontally that you're blaming your Christian life or your walk with God on a human institution or a bunch of people that are sinners just like you. If I could lift your eyes up a little bit and say, look up, you're looking at the wrong thing. We have to look at the church as the bride of Christ, which means it's beautiful, but you have to look to Christ, not the church mainly. Look to Christ for grace and fall in love with his church because we are not perfect. And I'll be the first person to tell you, I'm not a perfect pastor. I make a ton of mistakes. I sin. I struggle as I try to live out my walk with Jesus and lead y'all, right? I don't live that out perfect, but I'm saying don't follow me and don't follow any other Christian, mainly, mainly follow Christ and fall in love with his church and get on mission with this church because his church is doing the thing. His church has got the mission and we got to go. Now, the main verb in this text is verse 19. 
make disciples. If you're looking for the main verb, the big deal in this passage, it is verse 19. Go and make disciples of all nations. So the going and the baptizing and the teaching, those are all what we call modifying participles, okay? So those are serving verbs, like they're going to serve the main verb. So going and discipling, going and baptizing and teaching, that all serves the greater purpose of making disciples. So the church was born, this is my big idea, the church was born to make disciples of Jesus, okay? That's why we're here. That's why this church exists. And I just talked to someone at the end of first service and they were looking around and say, man, this renovation, man, it's really coming along, isn't it? Praise the Lord. And it is. It's cool. We got bathrooms. Can I get a bathroom? Amen. It's exciting. It's exciting. We got some kid wing, kids wing framing going on. Praise God. That's a framing. Amen. That's good. And I understand what the person was saying. I'm encouraged as they are. But I said this, I said, look, Praise God for the renovation. God's going to do his thing. He's going to provide for his church. It's going to happen. God is going to do it. Come to Praise Banquet if you're not already signed up, right? It's going to happen. I said, but it don't mean a thing if we're not making disciples. Amen? A nice building don't mean a thing if you're not making disciples. And that is a group project. Pastor to deacon to member to to lay leader. Everybody is in this thing called making disciples. So that's the main idea. The church was born to make disciples. A disciple is a student or a learner or a follower. Okay, so you are a disciple if you're a student or a learner or a follower of anything. So we're all disciples in this world. It just, it just matters like what are we being discipled by or who are we following, right? Twitter is a 200 million uh, follower thing. And basically they ask you, who do you want to follow? <laughs> Who do, you, who do you want to be discipled by? Who do you want to know what's going on from? Who do you, whose voices do you want to hear? And they're making billions and billions of dollars basically asking you, who do you want to disciple you? And you can even hand choose who you want to disciple you. But we're all disciples of something. Um, some of us are disciples of certain games or certain teams or certain hobbies. Some of you are food disciples. Y'all love making food, and you're amazing at it, and you study, and you know these things so well that when really bad cooks like me talk to really good cooks like you, you make it sound real simple, but I know it's not, right? Like, hey, how'd you do that, right? And you oh, just a little pinch of this, a little tablespoon of that, a little thing of this, and I'm like, oh, okay, I can do that. Like, nothing. Got a, a big plate of garbage. That's what I made. But some of you are so good at that, right? Some of you are gun disciples. I found that out last night at our men's event. Uh, we, the discipleship with guns is, is thick and good and healthy. Adam Nordiker and Craig Beveridge, you guys ran an amazing thing last night. But I, this is my fifth gun event in church history. So I, I, I did not even bring a gun. All right, because I have five guns and I'm leaving them all at home because I know how these things work. I have specific gun pastor privilege. Like I just show up to these things and guys are like, hey, pastor, you want to shoot my gun? You want to shoot my gun? You want to shoot my gun? You can shoot my gun. I'm like, yes, 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 yes. <laughs> I think the guys want me to shoot their guns so that I'll make some sort of mistake, you know, like malfunction. Something dangerous will happen, it's pastor's fault, that kind of stuff. That's my cynical side. 
But my good faith side is they just want to, they want the pastor to know what kind of gun they have. So I got to shoot all these cool guns last night. It was amazing. Michael Truitt's was my favorite by far. I had a little scope on it, a little red laser thing. And I'm like, yes, I need one of these. Right? And uh, it was really cool. So, but the cool part about discipleship, some of you guys are just gun disciples. Like you don't even have to look at any book or nothing. You haven't memorized verses or anything, but you know Here's the model of this gun, Pastor. Here's what it does. Here's the, here's the thing. Here's how much I paid for it. Here's the special grip on it. Here's where you have to aim. Here's all the things. And I'm like, you guys, I mean, my goodness. All you, all you men, don't even tell me anymore you can't read your Bible. All right? You can memorize stuff. I know you can. Amazing. Discipleship. Thick. So anyway, so we're all disciples of something. The question for Christians is, are we disciples of Jesus? Do we follow him? Do we love him? Do we learn more about him? Right? Discipleship is, is just being a believer, a follower. And, and the, me, the message of the church or the mission of the church is to make disciples. So again, from pastors to deacons to lay leaders to members to any Christian who is part of the church, the mission is the same. Okay? Your mission is the same as mine. This is not a, hey, let's hire the professional pastor to go do the discipling and you go make all the disciples, we'll go live our lives. Or maybe the staff can do all that. They're the professional disciple makers and we'll just kind of live our lives. No, every person from pastor to staff to deacon to lay leader to Christian, we all got the same mission. Praise God, make disciples. How that looks in our lives is different based off of our gifting and our ability and what God's called us to be and do. But The church was born for this very reason. At the birth of the church, Christ is giving the commission, and we were born to make disciples. So, as we go to the communion table, I want to answer these questions. How was the church born, and what does it look like for the church to do its mission in making disciples? So, I'm going to fly through six different aspects of the church's birth and the mission that the church has to make disciples. Okay, so aspect number one is this in the text. The church was born in a process. It was born in a process, verse 16 and 17. Look with me in verse 16. The 11 disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. And when they saw him, they worshiped him, but some doubted. So these guys go up to this mountain. They see Jesus and the majority of them worship. They're bowing down, they're they're, they're prostrating themselves. They're praising God for seeing Jesus resurrected. But some were doubting. Interesting, right? How cool is the Bible? It doesn't pull any punches. The Bible's going to tell you exactly what was going on. Like, you know, the temptation in the flesh is to write, everything was all good and everybody was super happy and everybody was excited to see Jesus and praise the Lord. But they're like, no, that happened. But there are also some doubters among us. Praise the Lord for the honesty of the Bible. There are some doubters. Now, what kind of doubt? Well, it was, we need to distinguish this. This is important. The type of doubt that the believers were experiencing at that moment was not, I don't believe in this. I don't believe in this guy, Jesus. I don't believe in this. I doubt it, right? Not that kind of doubt. The word in Greek means to hesitate. They were hesitant. They looked at Jesus and they were just, ah. Is this really happening? Like, I believe what I'm seeing. I believe in Jesus. I love the Lord, but I have so many questions. 
Can you imagine how many questions were in those guys' minds? Hey, can you answer this? What about this? What about this? What about this? What about this? Jesus, what about this? This is what I'm seeing. But I just, I got so many questions. How many of you Christians have been there before? Sure. Like, we're, we're, we're seven days after Easter, guys. Some of you are walking in after Easter service last week, and you're like, yeah, praise God, Jesus is resurrected. I'm on fire for God. There's no bad things, no clouds in my sky, nothing but sunshine and no wind. Can I get an Iowa amen? No wind. Come on. Some of you walked in with that kind of attitude, but some of you, seven days after Easter celebration that would just rock your world, you're coming in, you're like, yeah, I kind of doubt it. There's some things I got in my mind. I believe in Jesus. I love the Lord. I love God, but I just have some hesitations. I got questions, right? The church is the perfect place to be. Praise God. For believers who have no doubts and doubters who are believers, praise the Lord. The church was born in this process of worship and doubt. Very good. All right, aspect number two is the church was born in the authority of Jesus. The church was born in the authority of Jesus, verse 18. Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. All authority. If you're circling words in your Bible right there, that's it. All authority. Now, this word for authority is very interesting because Jesus is saying, All of the authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. I've got all of it. Well, what does that mean? Well, there's two words for authority in Greek. One is dunamis and one is exousia. All right, dunamis is this idea of power, authority that comes through conquering power. So if you think about like a a king or a Caesar coming into his city on a white horse and he's got his victorious army behind him and everybody's cheering for him and because he has conquered the foreign nations around, and they, he comes in as the conquering king. He has dunamis, right? Exousia is different. Exousia is the power that is given to you as an inheritance, right? The power that you are getting from a higher authority. Someone is giving you that power. You didn't have to go out and earn it. You literally receive it by inheritance, The word Jesus is talking about here is the second one, exousia. He's saying all authority has been given to me. From who? From God the Father. Jesus didn't have to go out and conquer nations by by force. He died on the cross to win the victory. Amen? And then he rises again and the Father is so pleased with Jesus' work on the cross, that he gives him authority, exousia. He gives it to him. Now, Paul says it this way, all right? In Philippians chapter 2, verses 9 through 11, Paul famously wrote these words, Therefore God has highly exalted him, and, here it is, and bestowed on him, give, gave to him the name that is above every name. So that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. So when Christ died and rose again, he delivered this emphatic victory over everything you can see and everything you can't see. The physical world and the spiritual world. Jesus was telling the disciples, I've won it all. 
Guys, I have all authority over every, every nation, every people group, and every spiritual realm of demon and angel and everything else. I own it all. I have all authority. So the church is born into this authority of Jesus. So the church is giving this uh, task, right, this mission to make disciples, but we are doing so in the shadow of the reality that our Jesus has won all victory. So if you're going out and sharing Jesus with somebody, you can do so confidently because your king reigns. Amen? He reigns. He reigns over every person, every family, every people group, every neighborhood, every nation of all the world, and every spiritual reality that you feel. You feel good versus bad. You feel light versus darkness. You feel spiritual forces of darkness in heavenly realms. Jesus has already won the victory. Amen? So you're going out with that authority. You're going out. The church does not have the authority. Jesus has the authority. Amen? The church, we are ambassadors representing the king. That's all we are. What is a preacher? A preacher is just a voice telling you the message. I'm telling you Get right with the king. Get right with the king of kings and the Lord of lords. A witness for Christ is simply telling a a non-believer, look, I love you enough to tell you that you're a sinner and you need to be reconciled with the king. 2 Corinthians 5, verse 20. We are ambassadors for Christ. So the church was born in the authority of Jesus. Does that make sense? I hope it does. When you go out and share Jesus with someone, you are going out not with your own authority, with the authority of a king. And you need to make sure people understand that they need to be made right with the king. Aspect number three, the church was born to go to all nations. Not only were they born in the authority of Jesus, they were born to go to all nations. Verse 19, go therefore and make disciples of all nations. Okay, because Jesus is victorious, the church is to go and make disciples of all nations. Let's focus on the word go. You got to go. If you're going to be on mission for Jesus, you got to go. All right? And you've got to move toward people. Now, it starts local and it works out global. Acts 1.8 says, you'll be witnesses for me, all right, in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and the other most parts of the, parts of the earth. It starts local but it goes global. And the reality is, is that you got to go somewhere. you got to actually do something. As Christians, again, there is no boring Christian. There shouldn't be a boring Christian. You are given the mission to go. you got to move. you got to move your legs. you got to actually go and share Jesus with somebody. All right, now, it doesn't mean the same thing for every one of us as Christians because some are called to more local ministry. Some are called to go to countries all over the world. Praise the Lord for missionaries. But we are all called to go. And we are called to go where? To the nations, all nations. Even Russia? Even Russia? Yeah. Even even Afghanistan? Yeah. Even like the hardest place in India where they've never heard about Jesus ever, even that place where you are the lowest caste in the caste system of India, even there, yeah, even like the hardest place of South Des Moines, can I get a witness? 
I mean, even like the, the, the most rubble-driven house in South Des Moines, we need to go there? Yes, we do. Praise God. We get the privilege of going. Even to people that don't look like me, especially to people who don't look like you. All nations means all, amen? And whatever skin color they have, whatever nation of origin they have, whatever tradition they have, we are to go to those nations with what? A helping hand and a message of hope, like a mouth that moves. We have, by God's grace, we have members, you may not know this, we have members from seven different countries. Isn't that cool? That's amazing. I love that. I would say about Living Waters, we are just getting started with the vision that God has put on our hearts for now 14 years. We have been praying for our neighborhoods forever, and God has brought some of the seeds of the nations to our church, and praise the Lord for all the different people groups that live in our neighborhoods, and I would just say, you guys, listen to me here. Go to all nations doesn't mean I got to go to India tomorrow. It means I just need to be faithful in my neighborhood right now. Share Jesus now with people who don't look like you or talk like you or whatever. Reach out. Um, Africa, you're helping me. Yeah. Africa is my maestra. She teaches me Spanish. So some of you got to see that. Ashley Lambert got to walk in on that, on my Spanish lesson, which I do with Africa every other week. And my goal, I've never been more determined in my life to learn Spanish. And sometimes Africa looks at me and she says, oh, mi estudiante, mi estudiante, oh, no bueno, no bueno. (sighs) Tu es burro, señor. (laughs) It just means I'm a donkey. Yeah. Um, But God is good. And I'm learning, I'm going to learn this by God's grace. And I would encourage you to learn a new language, find a new people, Find people that just like are connected to you through Jesus or find a way to share. That is our future because God is not willing that anyone should perish, but that all should come to repentance. 2 Peter 3, 9. The, God, the church was born to go to all nations. The church was not meant to be white America. Praise the Lord. The church was meant to be every tribe, tongue, and nation. By God's grace, we'll reflect some of that, right? Aspect number four, the church was born to baptize disciples. Verse 19. Baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, the church was born to make disciples and see to it that they get baptized as part of the making disciples process. How many of you enjoyed the baptisms from a couple weeks ago? Oh my goodness, those touched many hearts, right? And we got a lot more of those coming by God's grace, right? We need to baptize. We must baptize. It is, a, it is a command from Jesus. It's an essential mark of whether you really know Christ or not. Because if you really know Christ, you're going to want to get baptized. Because it's a command from Jesus. And, and I'm, I'm, i got to be really careful here. Baptism is a mark of an authentic disciple. Can you go to heaven without being baptized? Amen, you can. Amen, you can. The thief on the cross is a, is a great example of someone who, who didn't have the time nor the opportunity to get baptized. But the normal mark of a Christian is to be baptized. And here's the thing. It doesn't save you, but it does identify you in a very important way. So I want to be careful. It's not salvific. 
But it is important to be baptized. So here's what baptism is, right? Let's just go through the list. It's an individual proclaiming allegiance to Jesus, going public for Christ, taking a stand for Christ, which in our day and age, as it becomes more secular, it becomes more important that we, be- we stand for Christ. Um, it's testifying outwardly about the change that has taken place inwardly inside of us, and it identifies us with the, the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ. This is the important reality of being baptized, right? And it should be Trinitarian. It should be in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. This is not Mormon baptism. This is not Jewish baptism. This is Christian Trinitarian baptism in the name of Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Some of y'all need to be baptized. Some of you need that. You need to take that step. And it it is risky to your health if I'm baptizing you, okay? (laughs) Because I have... There's a few of you actually here that I've banged your heads on the back of baptismals, and I apologize. I need to make that public. I'm sorry. Sorry for that experience. Um, I need help baptizing, right? Because I, I, I've hit too many heads, right? And in fact, last baptism, I didn't even get to do any. I just watched. It was, it was good, but everybody's like, Josh, you can just step to the side. Thank you very much, right? But all joking aside, baptism is this moment where Christians declare that they are Christians. It's beautiful. That's why we don't baptize infants here. Because infants can't testify to that reality. We baptize believers, whatever age they are, whenever they're ready, because they can give witness, they can give testimony to the reality of knowing Christ. But make, make no bones about it. A church that is on mission is baptizing people on a regular basis. And may God in his grace make it ever true for our church that we see a steady stream of people getting baptized. Praise the Lord. Aspect number five, the church was born to teach disciples. The church was born to teach disciples, teaching them, verse 20, to observe all that I've commanded you. Because Jesus was victorious, he tells the church to go and baptize and now teach. Now, teaching has twofold meaning to it. We have to teach the word, right? We got to teach the scriptures. This has a couple nuances to it because Jesus is saying, teach all that I've commanded you, which means that Christians should be reading Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John on the regular, right? On the regular basis, you should be reading the gospels because you need to know what Jesus said. You need to know what he taught. And Jesus is saying, look, Teach what I commanded. Notice he didn't say, teach the Old Testament and the Law and the Prophets. He didn't say that. He said, teach what I have commanded you, which means his teachings go above and beyond, in a better way, the Old Testament law and the prophets because he fulfilled those things. Now, before we swing the pendulum too far, let me say, this does not mean that the Old Testament is not important. The Old Testament is very important. Can I get a witness? And amen. It's very helpful to help you understand the New Testament. Nobody exalted and loved the law and the prophets more than Jesus. Nobody did. So he's not saying just throw your Old Testament away. He's saying, look what I am commanding and teach that as primary and above and even beyond what you will find in the Old Testament law. So Christ is saying, fill up your minds with my commandments. And then he is saying, teach church to observe. What does that mean? Teach them to observe all I've asked, I've commanded you. 
teach to obey. All right? You can't just fill up your mind with a lot of facts. You've got to actually obey those facts. So Christians, Christianity would be in much better shape if all of us read the word of God, read Jesus' commandments, and actually obeyed them. All right? So we, we, the church is called and born to teach a believer toward obedience. We shouldn't just teach to fill up heads. We should teach so that heads get filled up so that lives are actually changed. So you actually obey. Okay, um, just yesterday, I was talking to uh, two of my daughters in the car, and they were, of course, poking at each other, you know, doing this in the car. And I said, hey, don't do that, all right, that we're not touching each other, this is not the touch hour, we are not, and, and the level of joy that, that we were hearing from the back of the car was really cool. Also, the, the volume was very loud and growing, and I'm half deaf in this ear now because of yesterday's car ride. But we were just, we were like, no, don't do that. First time, cool. Second time, not getting so cool. Third time, please don't do that. Fourth time, daddy and Jesus and these girls are going to have a meeting together, right? Because I, I just looked back and said, hey, we are going to have a session when we get home and I really need you to stop that, okay? What was going on? Well, were they not understanding what I was saying? No, they understood. There was one, two, three, four, it's filling their head with knowledge. But if there wasn't obedience, we had a problem. And can I get a parent amen? Yeah? All right, all right, good. I'm not alone. This is the reality of the church. We teach not just to fill heads with knowledge. We teach so that Christians might obey, actually listen. And I don't know how many times I have been just like my daughters yesterday. I have been that disciple in the back of the car saying, hey, this, this is fun. This is do this. Let's do this. And Jesus is like, Josh, you need to obey. Josh, you need to obey. Josh, you need to obey. And I am just like my daughters where I'm like, what in the world was I doing? Maybe you can relate. You've been in the back of the car. And Jesus is telling you his word over and over again. And you keep living a life that is different than his word. And eventually he's going to smack you, right? Or get to you and say, it's time to actually obey. Aspect number six is real fast and then we'll go to communion. The church was born with the promise of Jesus' presence. And behold, I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. Jesus ends his his missional commandment with an encouragement, I am with you always. I will not leave you alone. You know what gives me hope in 2022 and the societal waves that we're swimming in right now? Jesus is still with his church. Amen. Praise God for that. That is the promise that I hold on to a lot. Jesus is with us always to the end of the age. What it means is it's literally in the Greek, it means the whole of every day. So Jesus promised to be with his church all day, every day, until the last day. Amen? Because we can't do this mission by ourselves. We will mess it up every time. But praise God, the promise in the middle of the mission is that Jesus is right by our side. He's right here this morning in this room. He's with us to accomplish what we could never accomplish on our own. So the church was born to make disciples. 
in the midst of a process with the authority of Jesus, going to all the nations, baptizing believers, teaching toward obedience, and we are going with Jesus' promised presence. Now we're going to communion. And Christian, I just want you to think about what mission you're on. Is it Jesus's? Are you on mission with Jesus, making disciples? If you're a Christian and you're not on this mission, this is a good time to confess that and to get right with Jesus before you remember him with communion. Get on mission. It'll change your life. It will transform your heart. It will set you on a path that you won't even believe. And if you don't know Christ, this is a perfect moment to get a relationship with Jesus. Some of you need to be saved. You just need to sit in your chair and ask Christ to be your Savior for the first time. You're a sinner and you need Christ. You need his forgiveness in your life. And that might be you. But no matter where you're at, let's all respond together. Let's pray and we'll go to the communion table. Father, we thank you for your word. Thank you for your grace. Thank you for your amazing love for us. Jesus, you gave us a mission. You gave those disciples a mission 2,000 years ago that we are still working out to make disciples of all the nations, baptizing and teaching. And oh God, we cannot do this without your presence with us. So Lord Jesus, we just invite you into this room right now. May you empower every Christian to get on the mission to make disciples. Holy Spirit, come and speak to our hearts. If there's sin in our lives, help us to confess that and get right with you. And Lord, if there's anybody here who does not yet know Jesus, Lord, would you please work on their heart to receive Christ as their Lord and Savior for the very first time. God, give us grace to respond now in communion. In Jesus' name, amen.